Welcome to the Standard Age Podcast, a casual conversation about the lives of entrepreneurs and those growing companies. I can't thank you enough for listening as these episodes have been a wonderful supplement to the line of apparel that I'm thrilled to share is steadily growing. If you like what you hear, please visit standard-h.com and sign up for our email list. The website not only hosts every episode of this show, but also allows you to explore the entire product assortment and our latest travel recommendations. As an email subscriber, you will be the first to receive product release information as well as receive offers no one else is privy to. Just visit standard-h.com for more information. Seeing Standard H worn by a growing number of watch enthusiasts has been incredibly cool to witness, so chances are good if you're listening to this, you're probably an enthusiast already. However, if not, it makes no difference as Passion Find Jewelry welcomes everyone into their shop in Solana Beach, California. If you're already in deep, you'll know some of the brands that Tim Jackson and his team carry, which are some of the most highly sought-after independent watch manufacturers sold today. Names like Roger Smith, Grunfeld, Kudoke, Habring, Sarpaneva, and many more. If you can't make it to California, visit passionfinejewelry.com for their entire offering online. This episode is also brought to you by Contonement. Contonement's flagship product, the Kerchief, is a perfect medium between a handkerchief and a bandana. Featuring iconic designs such as the Fender Stratocaster and the dashboard of a Volkswagen GTI, these utilitarian cloths are an item that should be a mainstay in your everyday carry. Tuck one in a back pocket or use one as a neckerchief. Visit them at contonement.co, that's C-A-N-T-O-N-M-E-N-T dot co, and use the code STANDARDH in all caps, no spaces, for 20% off everything in their online shop. Now let's get to the show. Cole Young has done a lot in a very short time frame. This was even more apparent when I learned he was five years younger than I even thought. What he's building with his golf-inspired apparel brand, Metalwood Studio, has already far surpassed the point of being impressive to me. We planned a golf outing not far from his hometown of Carlsbad, California, at none other than Torrey Pines, and more specifically, the South Course, for those of you keeping score at home. Like many guests on this show, Cole and I met through Instagram. I heard him on the Eric Anders Lang podcast and immediately reached out. There were so many parallels in our lives, I was dying to talk to Cole. Prior to teeing it up, we discussed his introduction to golf, his experience playing in college, followed by what brands he was enthralled with as a marketing major. We certainly share a strong value of community, something Cole took note of growing up surrounded by skate culture. We discuss our shared distaste for gatekeeping and how hype culture somewhat occurs on its own. As it happens, Cole is one of the more connected dudes I've ever met. If you were to name someone in the apparel industry doing things of note, Cole probably knows them. If you were to name a professional skateboarder in and around Los Angeles who happens to play golf, Cole has probably already played with them. His network blows my mind and I love to see it. I could go on, but I don't feel like making this intro any longer. Brass tacks hanging with Cole is the perfect elixir of humor and knowledge, and I can't wait to get together again soon. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I'm your host, Wesley Smith, and you're listening to the Standard Age Podcast. Tortilla chips for breakfast. Yeah. Why is not? That, is that standard? No. Not okay. at all. Just in, they were stale tortilla chips. I, I like your car. style. <laughs> Chaos. Um, Thank you very much for the coffee, by the way. Yeah, of course. Cole, thanks for making the trip down. Of course. Um, 
We're sitting inside a shoebox of a business center at the Tory Pines Lodge. <laughs> um, can't say I've ever been in here. Uh, can't say I've ever done a podcast in golf shoes before. It's so, first time. First time. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome to hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least they're comfortable. Yeah. I'm rocking the Todd Snyder collabs. You know, oh, shout out Footjoy. Yeah, shout out Footjoy. Big. They've been big on plug. like the collab front lately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it's great. I think um, I think everybody needs something, or there there should be something for everybody. Sure. Uh, I can't say that I'm a huge like Jordan collab guy, so to uh, have something on the other end of the spectrum is nice. To feel seen, to know that people are like paying attention to that world. Yeah. And I think that Footjoy has done a really good job. Obviously, being like a, you have to be careful using the words like traditional or heritage but like right. with such a uh insanely um you know dramatic or like uh a great pedigree like the great american golf shoe brand like they have to be pretty selective of people that they're working with so sure i think they've done a pretty good job with that thus far yeah yeah i agree with you i think um i really like well first of all i just like this model of shoe i just find it to be comfortable uh, tarlo and or the comes, packard these are the Packards. The Tarlo yeah. is the wingtip, right? Yeah, yeah, or the yeah. like the cap toe. Mm-hmm. Um, these are Tarlos, uh, and they come in wide, more importantly, because I have yeah. a wide foot, which historically I never knew Foot Joys did. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, wow, mind blown. I could have been wearing much more comfortable golf Yeah, shit. for sure. <laughs> um, I heard you on the Eric Anders Lang podcast mm-hmm. uh, back in January, and I was a lot of what you guys talked about. I was like, and I DM'd you immediately and was like, hi, Cole, I'm Wesley. Um, we sound like the same person. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that DM, but it I was do. like, so you were born in Raleigh. Yep. As was I. Rex Hospital. Old Rex. I was one of the last babies born in Old No Rex. shit. Okay. And then they opened right. a new hospital in 1980. Yep. And then you were born in, I don't know. What, 94. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You're much younger. Um, so I figured you were like 10 years younger than I am, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize you were 15 years younger than I am. Doesn't but make you a, a bad person. But it, no, 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 I know. <laughs> but it's just like wrapping my head around like what your experience was like at certain eras is going to be different. Right? right. So like that's kind of where my brain goes with For like sure. the numbers game. Yeah. Um, so when did you leave Raleigh? Like 10 months old. Oh, okay. So you were like newborn basically. Yeah. 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 I don't think I ever spent any like significant amount of time in Raleigh. We moved to Carlsbad, um, before I was one, but my grandparents were always in Pinehurst ever since I was born. So we would go four times a year growing up. That's amazing. Yeah. So my parents now live there. Right. And we've talked real estate Mm -hmm. a little bit, uh, and Airbnb status and such, but, uh, to be continued, but, um, you know, what, what did your parents do growing up? Like what'd your dad do for work? What'd your mom do? Uh, my mom helped my dad. My dad was, uh, a, he was working for the marketing department for, uh, big pharma, oh, like, okay. uh, uh, originally Ligand, then ASI, then, um, launched a bunch of like cutaneous lymphoma drugs. And I think 
I don't know how long he's been on his own, but he's just a consultant now for companies like that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, so, so he's, he's still he's always been in um, uh, biomed, and uh, my mom has kind of just yeah. assisted him doing that. Sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. That's how they met in, like, at a conference. Oh, uh, wow. I think here in San Diego. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so much biotech here. You yeah, know? yeah. Well, and then, like, GSK and all that's over mm-hmm. there, but um, that's cool. Yeah. What is like one of your favorite memories from childhood from Carlsbad? Um, or is it just golf? No, actually it's not. I mean, golf is obviously great. Uh, being able to play it here, here like four, four seasons a year. But, uh, I don't know. I was like really big into skating and BMX and stuff like that. So, and, and growing up in Carlsbad on our street was a cold sack and we had, five six kids that were all within like two years of each other so we all went like to different schools at home build quarter pipes and not quarter pipe but there was like there was some 1080 ramp like plastic jumps that yeah. you would fit in the grass we had like kind of a grassy knoll area that you could like jump off of so it was mainly coming home from school and just riding your bike or skating for three hours until dinner and then you would do homework after well and you're also just like in such a hotbed at that age as well because again i'm going back to the age thing because like my perception and my experience of tony hawk at my age versus your experience of tony being virtually in your backyard yeah like he was around obviously sean white was around Mm -hmm. like all those cats were skating yeah clearly at the y and then the y yeah one of my best friends chris clifford i'm going to his wedding next week he was in his backyard or like his backyard neighbor was bucky lassick who had yeah. a mini ramp and a or a full-blown bowl in his backyard which is yeah. crazy so we'd kind of peek over the fence and see that which is pretty cool but um yeah I'd, growing up in north county san diego you're kind of the outcast if you don't do all those things so, right right yeah what was your like what was your board of choice what, who, whose brands were you skating were you a girl um, guy or were you were you birdhouse what? no I had a couple enjoy boards, the enjoy boards, just because of uh, Ronnie Mullen. Yeah, I used to skate his shoes. Yeah, the Globe. I think the Rodney Mullen, the Globes is the, my last pair. I'm trying to think which book. I, we're gonna have to fact check that. Honestly, <laughs> he was like a crazy flat ground guy. Yeah, that's Rodney Mullen, right? Yeah. Okay. He, he had a he, book. That was maybe like my first like actual full book that i ever read was his like <laughs> was rodney mullen's skate book <laughs> i think i think his like autobiography we don't have any wi-fi or like service yeah. in here but i'd like to check that later yeah yeah oh dude that's dope i completely forget the name of it so who or what got you into golf uh my grandparents on my mom's side the ones sure. from pinehurst right. so my my parents don't really play okay um but that was like the time that I got to spend with my grandparents was playing golf with them. And every once in a while they'd come out here, but most of the time we would go to Pinehurst and play with them. How old were you when you first picked up a club? When I could walk like, yeah, really young. Yeah. It's like really tiger, young. tiger status. Mm-hmm. Sick. Yeah. And you started competing young too? No, I don't think I took it really seriously until maybe like fifth grade. Okay. I played it. I started playing in which is young yeah i get that i was but, 11 <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh but i i think um i didn't i was like in group lessons at rancho carlsbad and in uh carlsbad and um i was doing that like once a week 
with cool. like kids from my class. Um, and then I just decided that that was like, I didn't want to do other sports. That was like the one that I wanted to sink my teeth into. So yeah, I started, um, taking private lessons in addition to that for a little bit until I quit the, um, group lessons and I just started doing the, the one once a week private lessons, but yeah. Nice. Yeah. Who was, who was your guy back then? Did you have a favorite golfer? Uh, I mean all sorts of them, but, the, but like for different reasons, I don't think I got as into Tiger Woods until later when I realized like what he meant to golf. Sure. But like, I don't know, I've always been interested in golf style and things outside of golf. So I was like into Camilla Vajegas and Ian Poulter yeah, and like JL. people that would just like dress psycho. Um, cause that was cool to me. And that's like why that's what interested me in golf it was the apparel. No, I mean like, or just the style. It was an accessory. It was an accessory to being able to play this sport that was like I enjoyed, and also my like seventy year old grandparents enjoyed. Right. Um, That was like the the common through line. Sure. But like getting to tweak it and put my twist on it was fun for me, and that's why I think I connected to people like Camillo and those guys. That's cool, man. That's really cool. Where did you go to high school? Cathedral, Cathedral Catholic in Del Mar. Okay. Which used to be uni. And um, you played golf there? I did. They had a golf team? Yeah. Cool. Um, uni, I think I was maybe like the seventh or eighth graduating class from Cathedral. Okay. Um, uni before is where like Tim and Phil Mickelson went and um, were like Tory Pines rivals and all that kind of stuff. Right. And then uh, the school moved further north to like literally right across the street from Tory Pines High School. So I grew up playing high school golf with a ton of people that are on tour now, which is pretty crazy. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. So where did you end up at college? Uh, Loyola Marymount. And what'd you study? Marketing. Okay. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. To the listeners at home, there's literally no rapport. We've avoided getting to know each other for the sake of this, (laughs) for the sake of this podcast. We don't know anything about each other. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it, which, well, you definitely don't know anything about me, right? Which I want to get to at some point. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we can we can flip the script, uh, maybe for a part two. Or, for sure. Or, uh, but yeah, no, hundred percent. We we've literally we've held off. There's texts in our phone saying, "I want to ask you something, but I can't because I want to ask you on air." Yeah. yeah, dude, I have to do this a lot. Oh, right? I'm sure. Like with every guest, it's sure. like, don't tell me that. Yeah, don't yeah, tell yeah. Me that. Save it for the pod. Yeah. I don't want to hear it a second time. Right. And I don't want to make you say it a second time. Totally. Um, because I like to react the same way an audience member sure. perhaps could, because you're probably going to say something that will evoke a different question or provoke right. a different question. Right, right. So yeah, uh, fair enough though. Like who, who was in the CD player in high school? What was your first car? Uh, <laughs> um, what era are we talking about? Your first car era. My first car yeah, I don't era. Know, 16. Were you driving at 16? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got a little, the 2011 Kia Forte coupe. Sick. That I like had aspirations of like slamming to the ground and tinting the headlights or like taillights and stuff like that. Wait, you had aspirations, meaning it, you didn't go through with it? No, no, no. Okay. No, because I realized it was just a Kia Forte. <laughs> hey. Um, but, uh, oh, God, I don't even know. I was, like, into rap. I was into electronic. Um, when I was a freshman in high school, I, like, thought that electronic music was really corny. And then all the seniors on our golf team, like, one of them was 
um, like big into club music. He lived in Tijuana and would commute over the border. Oh, wow. Every day to school. And like he was into like Mexican club music. And then that inspired like other seniors on our team who lived here in, in San Diego, like into electronic music. And I think that filtered down. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't like ready for that level of electronic music. So I just started with like Daft Punk and Justice and all that sure. kind of stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, totally. Um, I was like into Skrillex. Yeah. But that wasn't like a music, de- that wasn't like defining for my childhood. I feel, feel like I was in, I grew up listening to music in like the emo era too. So I would oh, listen yeah. to Good Charlotte and Simple Plan and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, of course. Heavy mix. Yeah, again, there's some overlap there. I was kind of into everything just as somebody interested in drums. Like yeah. if it had a good beat, I'm into it. Sure. Um, or had a good drummer primarily. Yeah. But um, so what was college like? I mean, studying marketing. Did you play golf at Loyola? I did. No? Yeah. You did? Okay. For three years. First three years, yeah, first three. I'm assuming? Yeah. It, did it feel like a job at all? Because I lived with a college athlete in college. And it's like it's like a full-time job often for, for yeah, athletes. Yeah, but the the... the athletic director helps like curtail some of that feeling. Right. right. So you get preferred classes, you make sure that your practice schedule doesn't interfere with your school schedule and all that kind of stuff. But we would switch off. So Monday, Wednesday and Friday were morning classes and then afternoon practice Tuesday, Thursday were like sunrise practice shit, uh, evening classes kind of stuff. So at times it did feel like a job. Um, but I think that wasn't everyone's experience on the team. Mm-hmm. It may have just been mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I only really started like one tournament, didn't play all that much, Really, but, uh, you know, I think that was maybe a reflection on the program, how I interpreted like the practicing time and what I did with the time that I was given. But, um, yeah, I mean, there was definitely parts of it that didn't feel like a job. Like our right. home courses were LA Country Club and um, you know Wilshire, and we'd play the occasional Bel Air, and I think we played Riv once uh, with Punch Greens, which was <laughs> a treat in and of itself. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think um, it it went back and forth. Yeah, you would start the season with like a whole fresh kit of like gear which was amazing that you rode that high for a couple months and then you you know um would have midterms and on top of practice and that would suck and then you would get to go away for christmas for a bit or and then come back and play another season and then it was summer so summer golf you know you try to stay tuned up play a bunch of summer events and um yeah i don't know I, i really enjoyed it obviously yeah um but I didn't like put all of my eggs in one basket. Like I could have sucked at school a little harder and been better at golf, or I could have just sucked at golf a little harder and gotten better grades. Kind of it's like a sliding scale, you know? So did you ever like reach a moment where you decided like, I don't want to go pro or were you the ever... whole time? Really? So you knew, <laughs> so, so you knew you didn't want to go pro. You just, no, I just like, knew I wasn't good enough. This is free golf. So I'm taking it. Kind of. Um, and so the the coach that recruited me, Alex Galvin, was there for 20 years, and we ended up having him for his last year. Mm. And no, like static to Alex, but I don't. I think the fact that I got recruited to go play there is like maybe why he's not there anymore. But um, 
And then they, we got, we brought in like, uh, for my sophomore year and like the following recruiting class was this guy, Brad Lanning, who was from the Oregon golf program who assisted Casey Martin. So he's like crazy talented in his recruiting skills and takes everything very seriously because Oregon is like grooming a bunch of players to go pro. Sure. And he sat us down and he's like, what do you mean? None of you guys want to go pro. Like, why are you here? I was like, I don't know. I get to play. LACC. I get to play. <laughs> so it's kind of a rude awakening. And like, you know, the, the team changed a lot after that. And I don't think he lasted longer than like four years. And, um, I'm blanking on the new coach's name, but he is like a former LA or I'm sorry, uh, LMU golf uh, graduate. graduate. So he understands the program. Yeah. Some, you know, changes in, in alum alumni money came in and all that kind of stuff. And now they've got a pretty solid team. A couple people made it to nationals this last year, but, uh, nice. but yeah, I, I knew early on that I wasn't good enough to go pro. I just was trying to ride it for as long as I could. Um, and, I think I was getting a little burnt out on golf. Yeah. Playing it, but I also always knew that I like wanted to somehow some way work in the golf industry. Mm. Um especially growing up in Carlsbad in like yeah. golf industry mecca. Right. Um and then uh getting inspiration or drawing whatever you can from Los Angeles being a little faster paced than than Carlsbad is. Um somehow fusing that together nice yeah so as a marketer right like you're studying marketing in college and such barely like what were some of those brands that you were like highly attracted to and uh like you know respected for the lack of a better description based on like marketing and how they brand positioning and that sort of thing mm. was there anybody like you were just like yeah i was like very very into like la skate sure. scene stuff that you know I'm I'm not gonna say any brands that are like way out of, out there, but like Supreme, sure. the whole like Fairfax district. Yeah. Um you see Stussy doing it now. The the whole thing where the the people that work at the store are also the models. Right. Like brand ambassadors. Also stuff. on the skate team. Has a really crazy like family focused kind of community mm -hmm. uh no one works there that doesn't like no one works there that they don't have beers with after the day or something like right. that. They, they're already hanging out with each other now let's just go to work together kind of thing so um that community focused uh marketing is attractive to me i think yeah. that um you know developing something that people from the outside are looking in that think it's cool and they want to be a part of that culture mm -hmm. is important for as a brand building exercise. Um, but I think also being from Carlsbad and understanding a little bit about skate culture and, yeah. um, you know, certain things like the who's who or like, right. If you know, you know, it's so lame, but like, you know, the secret spot kind of thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. give that up. You just like you you vet people to bring in and then figure out if they're worthy of taking to the secret spot, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I have such a love hate relationship with that phrase. Uh, if you know, it sucks. You know. Because it's like I understand why it takes place because it's like like 
if you're clued in, like you do know, right? Like yeah. if, if you're really into something, like mm-hmm. I, you see this all the time in watches, right? Yeah. Like X, Y, Z. But the reason I hate it is because it seems so almost like gatekeeping yeah. and like exclusive and just so just like pretentious. There's yeah, like yeah, such an is. undertone of pretension. Right involved with it that I just can't stand. It's like, I don't, I don't know why it makes me so angry because I guess because I'm not that person, like I don't gatekeep. You can ask me anything. Right. I want to share everything with everybody all the time. Yeah. Because I, you know, lame also, but all, you know, rising tide lifts all ships. Like there's plenty of room for all of us to succeed here. Like it shouldn't be well, that guy doesn't know. Right, right. No, if anything, you're Moron. trying to, as enthusiasts, whether it be car sure. enthusiasts, watch enthusiasts, golf enthusiasts. Or apparel. Apparel. Yeah, totally. You would hope to share that enthusiasm with someone, right? Exactly, yes. So in the spirit of not gatekeeping, I guess you're looking to draw common ground with people finding someone's counterpoint and like being able to connect with them on some level. And I think that in these certain subcultures like watches for example like yeah i'm a fringe watch guy sure i don't own any like spectacular watches but i admire matter. them from afar 100 percent. and you know this this watch that i'm wearing now is like my inspiration to like learn more about it and like get myself to the point where i would get the better version of it right kind of thing so um and you don't it's also a great way to approach the um the collecting aspect of watches get in before you spend a boatload of cash right see if you even like it right because if you've never worn a watch before and all of a sudden you got this thing on your wrist Mm -hmm. you might hate the feeling like i don't wear bracelets right could i sure but i don't Mm because i don't like it you know what i mean so it, that's also the beauty of watches too, mm-hmm. because they, there are so many options at such lower price points before spending five, 10, yeah. 50,000. And if you don't sell your collection off, you get that, those diary entries of like, Oh, this is the first watch that I bought. And yes. then I leveled up to this one. It was like, yeah. Oh, that was a cute time in my yeah, life. You see the timeline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's great, yeah. man. Um, but uh, going back to the, the whole gatekeeping thing, it's like, I, I look, I, I pay attention to forums and like blogs and all that kind of stuff. And that even though like I wouldn't be able to hold my own in a, in a conversation of a circle of like watch people, it, it is exciting to see what other people are enthusiastic about. Oh, cool. So you're on watch blogs and forums? Sort of. What, what do you, I, I don't pay one bit of attention to any of those. So this uh-huh. is fascinating to me. What, which ones are you reading? Okay. So just like. Like Hood, Rolex Forum? Or, oh, no, okay. not even, oh, okay. not even, not okay. even. Got um, it, got it, But got like it. just the people that I uh, look up to or take inspiration from sure. generally tend to be watch people. Right. And the fact that I already like the way they dress or I already like the cars that they drive or I already like how they per, like conduct themselves through yeah. business. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm drawing parallels to like what they're into. That's cool. Watches just happen to be, happens to be one of them. Um, so people like Michael Williams, I, if he was wearing a certain watch, I would pay attention to that. 
Yeah. And then I would go Google that watch and then just whatever forum yeah. has any information. on it. Sometimes yeah. it's even like TikToks, to be honest with you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally. crazy. What is your take and or feeling on hype culture? Um, in what, fair, ma- what, ma- what matter? Well, just like, what do you, is that something that interests you for your brand? For example, is it something, um, because I mean, let's face it. I mean, to be hype is, can be a positive. It could also have negative effects yeah, too. But you hype is like at this point, mass appeal in a bell curve scenario where you've got pioneers, then early adopters, then mass appeal. And then like late, late adopters, late adopters right? Like mass appeal is like, is people, that something you want from Metalwood? Or do you want to keep... I don't need to like attract those kinds of people, but eventually those things naturally happen. It's like the camo hat, for example, that we sell is like a hilarious, just like not joke of a promotional item, but if you read the 8020 book or whatever, I actually have I haven't read past like the first three chapters. I'm so bad at reading, but if my girlfriend listens to this, she'd be so pissed. She'd be like, I've been telling you to read that book. But um, no, it, it's it's so funny. It's like I put 80% of my energy, <laughs> I put 100% of my energy into like the 20% of things that actually drive revenue for the company. Totally. And the meat and potatoes, the, the camo hat that makes up 80% of the revenue, I put literally zero effort into that, which right. is annoying. But um, it's kind of like music, right? Like a lot of the music that is mass appeal is, I mean, if you were to talk to like an incredible musician, they'd probably be like, yeah, this is kind of dumbed down. This is like sort of basic. Right. The song that I hate is the one that's on Billboard top 10 because I like just threw shit up against the wall and it stuck. Yes. These four chords. Right. Right. So, (laughs) so with using the camo hat as an example, like that's mass appeal now it's popular it's the mm-hmm. best selling product we've ever made because a couple pioneers and early adopters that are at the forefront of like arbiters of taste wore it and then all of a sudden like everybody's wearing it so um the the best north star to um you know i guess point your compass at is just like designing things for yourself. I I'm, I'm lucky because I'm like my own core demographic. That's right. So likewise, right. So, so I think, I'm customer number one always. Right. I wouldn't make anything that I'm not going to wear. Exactly. Um, and then <clears throat> through <clears throat> the, the marketing of it, whether we just talked about like the community building aspect of it or yeah. like seeding it to people that you think might make sense. Um, that's, that's where I want my product to live. Yeah. Um, and then whoever finds it after is great. You, what was your first job? Like ever, ever, uh, <laughs> uh, pet sitter. Oh, nice. Cole's cool critters. No way. Yeah. Website. No business okay. card though. Sick. <laughs> With like an a la carte menu of like all the services. Give me three. Uh, okay. Feeding, walking, feeding, walking. But I've also like, I've also pet sat 
a bearded dragon that needed like antibiotics. Okay. And I would charge extra every time I would have to like use a, a, needle. a needle. Yeah. It was like $25 a needle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, That's hilarious. I was, yeah, pet sitter from like when I was a kid to like, yeah. I don't know, whenever. So when we was just your... lived on so many people, like so many people lived on a block with pets and they would go out of town and I was like, yeah. I was the guy. But, um, and what then. What was your first job where you were like getting a W2? <laughs> Uh, dude, I like, I never worked at a restaurant. I never worked at a coffee shop or anything. My, I, my first job that I think I got a WT two for was like, um, I think it was either a week long internship with TaylorMade. Okay. Just crazy. Cause I had to like get like a background check and go through ADP oh, sure. just for like a week long unpaid internship. Wow. Uh, like one summer, random summer. That was like 2008. It's like an eighth grade. Wow. That's sick. Uh, what'd you do there? I was like, I wanted to be an engineer in college. So I like went and did like a research and development internship at TaylorMade. So we did balls. We did like club head design. It was like a, it was like a design sprint, Right. Kind of like, Crash pro- yeah, exactly. That's cool. Um, and then after that, like the, the job after that was Fujikura. I was, I was a marketing assistant and in, intern at, at Fujikura two summers in a row in college. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. And then how did you get the job with Revolve? Weren't you a buyer? Yeah. So my senior year of college, after I was not playing golf anymore, I was like, I got to get, I got to figure out what I'm going to do after school. Yeah, next step. Yeah. And, uh, there was an LMU like careers program where you could like people would post internship things. And, uh, I started working as an unpaid intern for Indian summer agency, which is a marketing and ad agency in Venice beach, California. And they handled like five, six lifestyle brands. One of them was like, Levi's. We did skateboarding and commuter line. We did crap eyewear. We oh, did. Yeah. I had some commuter jeans. Yeah, um, they had the little loop you could put your U lock exactly, in. Exactly. Exactly. Sick. Uh, Welcome stranger, San Francisco brand, Critical Side Society, Australian surf company. So, I was like, I did everything there. Um, uh, marketing and sales intern, and that was like the best. That was honestly the best job I ever had because everybody that we worked with was great. Yeah, Drew is still a mentor of mine, and he's the one that started the agency. He like took me to Agenda, like my oh, first cool. trade shows with him. Yeah, um, meeting decision makers at those companies like Levi's. I never like went to the Levi's headquarters in San Francisco, but like people would come down, and I met those people at the trade shows and. Um, Anyway, the so that was like my first foray into like the apparel world. And you guys were a showroom selling wholesale to yes. like boutiques. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and then one of the brands was Crap Eyewear. And after after I graduated, I got I went in house at Crap Eyewear to do sales um, and like servicing local skate shops and all that kind of stuff and. That's 2016. I think I worked for like six months. And then um, through 
through Levi's, through like the Indian summer agency guys, I met the buyers at Revolve and kind of wanted to try out the other side. So I was a buyer at Revolve for and forward their their sister site for a year and a half or two years. That was the men's site, forward. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, Revolve did men's and women's. Okay. And then forward was like the higher price point luxury. Okay, stuff. I see. So I was like thinking a, there was like a bifurcation. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. How was like? Was there anything at Revolve that you learned that you still use today? Uh, all of like the buyer math kind of stuff, like margins and like turnover rate and all that kind of stuff, like that still checks today. Like I wouldn't know the one three eight rule without doing that. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think what else. I guess budgeting, that kind of stuff. Really boring stuff. Not, right. Not yeah. Like, no, it's the worst. You really write home about, but okay. like real, real, you know, skills that are are worth knowing when trying to steer your own ship. Right. You know? So are you still a one man band or do you have employees? No, we've got a couple of employees now. Um, Is that because of the shop? Yes and no. I mean, prior to opening the store, um, we were already looking for an office space. Um, and we were mainly looking downtown, like near Skid Row where all the other like, startup fashion brands are yeah and uh one of the reasons we didn't do that was just because of working in like a a golf adjacent you know yeah uh world if i took a meeting with (laughs) titleist or foot joy or you name it you're not making them go there no yeah these guys are wearing like blue blazers and khaki pants or flying you know from the east coast like oh yeah just like miss the human shit in front of the door and go up eight floors and like, I'm here. You're here. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't, that wasn't the vibe at all. So, um, good friend, John Buscemi had me over for a meeting at his office on La Brea and, um, all of his stuff was like wrapped up in plastic. I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, Oh, I'm moving next door. You should move in here as an office space. Oh, sweet. It's like, great. It also has like this fantastic display window. Why don't right. we just do a, a, work like a a shop and an office yeah um and so some of the hires have gone toward filling that out um but uh but no we've got um a couple like contractors that help out with design and um that's product design graphic design um we've got web dev guys we've got um darren who's like the store manager who once you know further on down the road when the the brand grows on the trajectory that I'm hoping it does. We'll have to have more people in the store. Yeah. Darren will take more of a inside role, helping me with production who, which he did in the past. And Ryan, who's our art director, image director. He, he focuses on photo shoots and making sure that the Instagram looks pretty. So it's okay, pretty cool. It's still pretty small team. So did you um, take on investment? By the way, we're talking about Metalwood Studio. Oh yeah, uh, your company. My, uh, my company, Metalwood Studio. Glazed over. It. Sorry, <laughs> that's my bad. Yeah, um, no, you're good. Uh, yeah. Did you do you have business partners, back end investors? It was like really, really early angel investor type um, help to build inventory. Uh, just because, like at the very start, it was like I had friends that had stores just through knowing the wholesale world and all that sure. kind of stuff. So, yeah. 
um, everything was PO financed. I had, I had this logo and I had this idea and I showed it to a couple of friends that had stores and they were like, Oh yeah, we you'd prepay for a couple of those things. So my minimum was like 50 pieces on a set of head covers. Like, yeah, exactly. okay, if this store bought 10 and this store bought 10 that I can, I can sell 30. I had like 30 friends that would buy those. Right. So let's, let's just do that. And, um, that idea led to another and another and another. And this is all happening like during the pandemic. Yeah, totally. Um, and so it's all like, I, I always use this kind of, uh, expression for standard H it's like make a little, sell a little, make a little, sell a little. Yeah. You I know, mean, the, the whole goal is to make sure that the collect collection one makes enough money to make collection two. Exactly. And hopefully collection two is a little bigger. Right. And you keep doing that. Exactly. Um, do you have any designs on going into the wholesale market? So you... we, again, led with wholesale. Yeah. Okay. Um, I see what you're saying. And then kind of like, I think working around this non-existent like fashion calendar where right. buyers have budgets per season, um, that, that doesn't really exist now there's so many brands that are just making clothes whenever they want right drops yeah so um capturing buyer's budget is some ways easier some way harder yeah um but if you wanted to stick to a traditional fashion calendar like selling your fall collection in january and selling your spring collection in like august june or yeah yeah um that was creatively stifling for me. Mm -hmm. So wholesale for the last two seasons has kind of taken a backseat. Cool. Um, but this year, spring, summer 23, which we just closed our windows for, um, I brought on a, a third party wholesale rep, um, our buddy Dom, and he's just knocked it out of the park. We Sick. opened like so many six stores for January through April which I'm really, really excited about. So our, That's awesome, our spring, man. summer 23 collection is by far the best um, we've ever done. Now, are you taking money up front for that or are you doing traditional? No, where we're like going to do or net, net 20. This net is 20. this is like the, the scary thing. Yeah, like, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's why I asked. Yeah, X amount of dollars in wholesale earnings is like yeah, uh, anywhere from 30 to 50% of said X right out of pocket to make all that shit. So, yeah, no, I, I haven't stepped off that ledge and that's, you know, just do it hopefully in the near future. Yeah. But uh, you're so dialed. It seems with like connectivity and community, as you said, like, I mean, you know, the John Bashemis of the world. Yes. We have a mutual friend Davide over at Giaia, but yep. like, that's kind of where our connections end <laughs> uh, for me. Um, do you attribute that sort of community and or those connections to revolve or is it just you're in that mix? Like, cause obviously you've got a tight grip on the skate community as well. I've seen like you play golf with Sean Malto and like, you know, the crew. So, uh, some, yeah, some have come from my past work at Malvin golf. Yeah. Um, Steve is dialed pretty, pretty sticky when it comes to like, gluing that whole group together right so i i i feel like i'm just a good uh listener when it comes to like being in the room with those people and then 
not like trying to butt in too hard. I'm just right. like, I'm kind of there. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then, um, you know, just, uh, getting to know people and, and, um, sharing experiences and all that kind of stuff. I, I feel like that definitely the foundation for that was, um, revolve because you get to know a pretty like at, at revolve. I don't feel like I got too deep with one brand. It was sure. a very pretty surface. wide surface level, you know, interactions with all these people, but it, you know, a couple trade shows go by and you're like, Oh, we interacted before we're colleagues. And yeah. then, you know, you go into the room with Steve and you you're sitting next to the Bashemis and the Maltos and, you can you can talk you can say like oh well yeah i remember you from this agenda party or like i remember you from this and then they're like oh so if you're you know this person that means you know this person and it's yeah, of like course. Yeah. um that's not a very good way to start conversations with people or it's like oh so you know this person right or, you know the, but, but yeah, the, the, in a that's, way that's stereotypically very la right right it is it is but I, that's never how i moved in la and it doesn't sound like that's how you move either no no you want to develop your own relationship with these people so yeah. um that's great but yeah what um what was i gonna ask you we've jumped around so much dude good <laughs> oh, well you mentioned you mentioned malbin yeah how did you how did that come about initially um okay so through indian summer agency i knew this um girl orla okay shout out orla uh she was just in the mix she was in apparel um i'm god i'm blanking on her uh line of wedding dresses but she had oh. like a line of wedding dresses who had a showroom in in venice cool and she was just around at events and parties and all that kind of stuff and so we had a uh, <clears throat> uh, a connection and uh i was at revolve at the time and like remembering thinking back fondly of like my golf memories uh but like hadn't touched a club almost my entire time at revolve just because like why would i do that and uh <clears throat> and i'm on instagram and i see orla at the driving range on on instagram i was like yo i had no idea you played golf like i used to dabble <laughs> and she yeah. was like oh no i'm i'm not like really trying to golf but like my friends are starting like a golf fashion brand called malvin golf and i like my head popped off i was like oh my god that's exactly what we're i'm looking for that's what needs to happen right yeah exactly <laughs> so um i think i just like dm'd steve and erica i was like i need to work here I don't think you have a choice like i need to work here right right um and i i like led with some psycho marketing plan where i i grew up with the xander shoffleys and the michael kims and the bo hostlers and i was like oh we, we should just like start seeding all these people that are about to be big on tour and they were like sure. we're not really in a position to do that but you can like you know help direct us you can creatively. give them some stickers like, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so um so steve and i and eric and i met literally the first day i think this is april 2017 uh yeah, the first day that they opened the store. That's cool. On Fairfax. And I was still working at Revolve. And I figured out how I could like help them do some wholesale and also be a buyer and help, you know, style and do things that they needed me to do. So sweet. Yeah, that was the kind of the start of that. That's cool. What made you leave just to start your own thing? 
Kinda. I mean, Metalwood was like happening while Maubin was happening. Okay. <clears throat> in a different category, like Metalwood was always um, kind of like a, a curated used bin because I was just such a gearhead as a kid. I see. Um, and I was into clubs, so I was like selling, buying, and selling golf clubs, telling the story of said golf clubs, like beyond what anyone would ever need to know about a stupid golf club. But like, right, right. Um, there was. Uh, a moment where I thought maybe Metalwood could be part of Malbin, and then, are you and Steve still cool? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was amicable or whatever. Yeah, um, I think there was a little bit where things got hairy. He was like, "What are you doing? Like, <laughs> what you? I I pay you to work on Malbin. I I I don't know. Maybe this is at my own fault where I thought Metalwood could be part of Malbin, but um, after." shit hit the fan in February 2020 or March of 2020 sure. shut the store down. I was like, okay, well I'm going to keep doing both. Right. But like maybe Metalwood has some apparel components to it. And then I did that whole PO financing thing where I sold Metalwood to a couple stores that also carried Malbin. And that was the conflict of interest that led to, uh, Got my it. departure. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and then a couple weeks later, whatever beef we had, we went to Pinehurst, Steve and I, with a whole group of people and had some drinks and played for some money and we've been great ever since. So that's nice. Yeah. What course? Uh, all of them. Oh, you, I, you played all of Pinehurst. No, I, I think we played like two, four, eight cradle Sick. dormy club. Good God. That's yeah, a hell of a trip. Like a whole week. That's amazing. Do it big man. there. Um, I haven't played two. I haven't played four. Oh, I have played there. eight. Okay. Um, just funny. Eight's like, I love that course. Eight's a great course, but it's also the, probably the worst representation of like what all the other Pinehurst courses are like. I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. 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 It's a great course though. Um, I'm actually going home two weeks from today. Okay. Home. My parents. Yeah. Obviously <laughs> live in Pinehurst. Um, on seven, right? <laughs> No, no, no. They're in um, a different neighborhood, Lake okay. Lake neighborhood. Gotcha. Just like around the corner from the resort. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but it's great. I miss the lake, that's for sure. Yeah. How did you go about naming Meadowood? Like, how did that come up? Mm. I feel like there was like an announcer that would always say it on the broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I, I knew I wanted to do like vintage golf, right? Okay. Like, 90s and a little bit of the early 2000s mm -hmm. just because i thought it was like a the 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 uh interest in normcore fashion and like maybe understated things like just really shitty brown polos right that's funny to me and like an ironic like oh i'm dressing like this intentionally um that was like the that was like the target era of golf that I wanted to focus on. Oversized Ashworth. Yeah, exactly. Just gigantic pleated pants. Yeah, um, totally. A lot of brown, a lot of like putrid patterns and all that kind of stuff. So, um, in that era, there was a certain vocabulary used in golf: three pars instead of par threes, meadow woods instead of fairway woods or like wood woods, you know? So right. the term like metal wood, um, 
if you're watching like golf reruns and they're transitioning from persimmon to like fairy woods or metal woods yeah the announcers kind of just like don't know what to call it they're like kind of <laughs> tripped up on their words so they're saying right. like well it's not a it's not a fairy wood it's kind of like metal so it's like a metal wood so that was like the the um impetus impetus behind that is just like this vocabulary that is like laser focused on that era of golf mm-hmm. cool well you launched it sounds like with head covers that was your head first covers product. socks and hats so it was all accessories to yeah. start now what is next spring summer what's that looking like assortment um is it kind of i mean it's mix? really cut and sew heavy cool um i think the stores that we wanted to be in we set out to be in were primarily like menswear boutiques that a majority of their business is wovens and, and knits and all that kind of stuff so you have every hat under the sun but there's also um knit polos there's workwear inspired jackets there's um some shirting there's pants there's even a little bit of denim now are you like a very cotton driven based program yes so yeah. no synthetic no nah. no stretchy garments no i love it i <laughs> i think um they're out there i think so. for the people that are listening that think that your polyester shirt is going to help you play golf it's not going to <laughs> right. so you might as well look good while you're shooting 85 anyway <laughs> <laughs> big facts yeah oh man i love that your pr and marketing though has been crazy to witness like i mean you've had coverage in esquire i think definitely in gq mm-hmm. do you work with a pr agency mm-hmm it's no. them finding you like that and I, and like just knowing people there i guess i don't yeah, know like sure. I, i've i've been able to have you seen the needle move when those campaigns come out yeah definitely cool definitely um gq's been great to us hypebeast has been great to us um you're on the fair game app on the fair game app their uh, clubhouse yeah <laughs> yeah um it's great yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've I've been very lucky to, um, you know, I don't even know if I can call it this, but like be a spokesperson for the charge that our community is trying to lead. I'm very lucky to be in the conversation. So, if you were to put a label on that, what do you call it? The charge. Um. Uh, <laughs> come on the standard age podcast you get yeah seriously questions. damn <laughs> it's not it's not alt golf it's not woke golf it's just like uh and it's not it's, I, don't, I don't even know dude postmodern i guess post internet golf post country <laughs> club yeah i yeah I, I, don't, I don't even know you can't i literally could not call it anything just because there's there's certain companies had to walk for all of us to run or fly do whatever right there's literally a new golf brand on instagram every day for better for worse but like all those people have something to say or put something out there for the nascar golf guy Sure. The watch golf guy, the chef golf guy, the rap golf guy, like 
there are this web is ever growing mm -hmm. so the democratization of golf and the products that come along with that mm -hmm. that's that's what it is i guess i don't know yeah yeah i mean i don't i don't have a name for it either yeah but i mean as somebody witnessing it it is really interesting uh, especially the point that you make about like a new brand popping up constantly mm -hmm. um i don't know if that drives you nuts or if if you welcome it just due to competition being healthy, you know, Coke needs Pepsi, that kind of vibe. Yeah. No, the, the new brands popping up doesn't bother me as much just because I think more eyes on golf, like it behooves me to sure. root them on. Right. I think it's more the bigger brands that are already in the fold, just wanting to make golf clothes all of a sudden drives me nuts. Yeah. Why is golf like Cole Haan making a golf line now? Why is, uh, well, dude, I'm guilty. I made like some teas and some like yeah, stuff so, like that. But. but like, yeah, but you're, you're, I mean, I have my reasons. Sure. A, I'm customer number one. Right. Oh, God, I'm, I'm blanking on like other examples right now, but like there's a handful of, of companies that have no business being golf or have rooted their company in like lifestyle sure great yeah 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 but um all of a sudden to like want to make golf product for the sake of it being popular yeah it's cool yeah right like yeah. zara just put out like a golf editorial i don't know if you saw it no yeah but there's like a little little like a windbreaker that says golf athletics on it just misspelled with a Z or something like that. I was like, oh, sick. Okay, cool. We're doing this now. Yeah. <laughs> or I guess like Drake's brand Nocta doing a golf line. Mm. Maybe that pushes the needle a little bit for the capital G golf world. But like, I think I sit back and look at that and be like, damn. Yeah. That is. Uh, and he'll move product, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, because. But like what's hopping him from yeah. doing like cricket tomorrow right, or right. <laughs> tennis the next day, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever had a favorite round you've ever played? Do you have a favorite round? Um, multiple? Sure. I am have a pretty photographic memory. I can remember, like, shots that I hit in high school or, like, college that, like, meant something to me. So, like, the rounds that I really enjoy are ones that I can like lay down in my bed and, and like play over again in my head. Cause I remember every shot. That's incredible. Um, some of them have been in competition. Some of them have just been like money games. Yeah. That like went well for, for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, no, a couple stand out. Uh, something tells me you're up when it comes to betting. Um, I'm probably even, which really? is up technically. You, yeah, 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 yeah. That's like, that's good. Right. Considering the amount of golf that I play and the percentage of times that I'm playing for money. Who took the most amount of money from you? Uh, Andy Estebo. Just one of, one of our friends that we play like a money game at Satakoy on Mondays with. He's taken a lot of my money. Okay. On the golf course, he's taking it in dominoes. He's taking it. You play on Monday? 
Monday, Satakoy money game is a little freaky. Nice. Yeah. Um, but like, like the kind of money you get nervous about? Kind? Me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not them. I don't think they give a shit about that amount of money. But, okay. okay. Um, for me, yeah, for sure. That's funny. What's in the bag, man? Like we, uh, we haven't really talked gear. Yeah. Um, we're, we're wrapping this up by the way. No, you're good. Uh, I think so. I just played, I still play like amateur events. I'm cool. I'm going to, I just tried qualifying for the U S mid am two weeks ago. Nice. And where was that? Uh, Valley club at Montecito. Okay. And then in December, I'm going to try to play, I'm going to qualify for the, I'm going to try to qualify for the U S four ball with my buddy and former college roommate and teammate, uh, Chase Nikolai. And we're going to do that at Rams Hill. So you need to have USGA conforming clubs. So I have like a try hard set, which is boring. We don't need to talk about that. And then I have like my fuck around set, which I brought today. Um, but, uh, I, I have so many golf clubs. It changes every day. Really? Yeah. Um, and Are you a just, guy that changes putters often too, based on how you're putting? So sorta. Yeah. So are you in a high MOI situation now or a lower? No, no, never that. Uh, <laughs> the whole point of this for the listener at home is that so you 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 start the day trying to make or build as many excuses as you can for how you're going to play that day, right? So if you play with the most unforgiving clubs you have no excuse you have or you have all you the have excuses. all the excuses yeah. in the world <laughs> yeah it's the opposite yeah yeah if you shoot the moon you're like oh obviously because i was playing with these clubs it's what i do if you shoot 65 with those clubs you're like let your nuts hang it's what i do yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um uh, i've got a modern driver in the bag i've got a titleist tsi3 but to counteract that and make it the metalwood way, the metalwood difference, okay, is putting like the most obsolete technology in the shaft. I'm playing like a nunchuck shaft. Have you heard of this? No. Do you know what autoflex is? Uh, vaguely. Okay, it's like the, the new thing, right? So Inventix made a shaft called the nunchuck 15 years ago. Okay. 10 years ago, 15 years ago. That is like the precursor to the autoflex. Okay. And no one should be playing that shaft. It literally fits no one. But at the same time, because it's autoflex, it technically fits everybody. I think it's like a hundred grams. It's a okay. double. X, it's rated CPM wise at like a double X flex. Okay, I was gonna say. But the the tip and the butt section are really stiff, and the mid section is like a noodle. Wow. I'll let you hit it today. It's wild. Yeah. Unless you're lefty, aren't you? No, I'm. No, I'm you're righty. Lefty. Okay, yeah, so you yeah. get to get to hit it today. I forgot. I was just talking to somebody. I was thinking was like, you were lefty. Mm -mm. That's funny. Um, I've got a 2007 burner TP in the fairway wood nice. section in the spot. That's like the only fairway wood that ever mattered. You should not buy anything else. It's the best fairway wood ever. Uh, three wood, five wood is an R7 steel. Irons are um, a small boutique company called Gearheart out of Gearheart, Oregon. Okay. Um, they're forged by a Japanese forging company called Kiyoe. Okay. Um, who's famous for making like KZG irons and some of Nike's irons. Um, three strikes. Three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they are like 
uh, a Titleist 680 MB replica. Oh, sick. It's the same amount of offset, same look. That's what Adam Scott was playing mm-hmm. for, right? Yep. Um, and then my trusty, rusty Nike wedges that I've had since college. I've just nice. been backstocking those forever. They're the best shape. Never get rid of them. That, I, I go back and forth between those and like Roger Cleveland era Callaways. The X Forged. And I found like a old backstock of like conforming groove versions of them right. so i have a ton of those and then just a good old scotty newport one yes no nice. line round bumpers no line round yeah don't put any of those square the bumpers in my face newport two, take a hike yeah get out of here love it <laughs> i think you'll you'll dig my putter if oh, I, I can't wait to see well, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah well, we've we've talked about it round bumpers. off pod yeah, yeah round bumpers only yeah for sure what uh so you mentioned your watch it's the timex q q73 the q73 Mm -hmm. what jumped out about that watch for you um aside from price honestly price yeah uh i i i think it's such a cool design honestly it's really cool i think the the band is amazing yeah um love a good navy face uh I really I really couldn't tell you other than the fact that it's like my beater watch, but I can also wear it for other dressier activities. Do you wear a watch to golf? Mm-mm. Like while golfing? No. Take yeah, it off. Me neither. Um can't have additional weight, man. No. Reduce drag, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um this is this is my watch on the way to that real Pepsi. Love it. Rolex. I think everybody needs that like attaboy gift, right? Yeah. For whatever yeah. accomplishment you accomplish. Yeah. But this is my you ain't shit watch, which and is like until until you get the attaboy right. This watch. is the reminder. You're like, you ain't I, shit um, until you have this kind of thing. So I can't tell you enough how great I think the modern Pepsi is. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best modern Rolex period. So if that's what you're looking at, then congratulations. Cause like you're on the right track. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I've kind of been on this journey for over a decade and yeah. it's like you, it, the modern Pepsi, especially on it's Jubilee pinnacle, it's unfuckwithable. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the, it's no, the best, it's the new, uh, and it's so I think comfortable. It's a oyster the the one that looks like the air King black with the different numbers and his green hands or whatever the air king air king yep it's pretty good yeah i mean I it's like a zany one. watch right because yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it looks so unlike anything else yeah um i think they bettered it with like the update that they just did because sure. it's been out um like even just more dial symmetry with the five now having a zero in front of it like mm-hmm. there's other like ancillary attributes design sure. wise that like make it better in my opinion sure. now who am i no one so like it <laughs> doesn't matter but um that would be a cool timeline though if you did pepsi and had those side by side yeah exactly that's just a dope story yeah um but also just me being interested in like vintage things in general too totally. like the the, the heritage the of her- the pepsi right exactly an and also story. the fact that this is pulled out of the archives for timex yeah is also great through line so yeah um those attention that attention to detail whether it be 
a military inspired watch or yeah. um, an aviation inspired watch kind of thing. Like those tiebacks to uh, a bygone eras is yeah. cool for me. That's what I'm trying to get out of my watch. So that's, it's great, man. It's perfect. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about or anything coming up that you want to promote? Mm. I have no idea when this is going to air. Uh, and I could drop it whenever you want me to. If you, prefer. yeah, we didn't really talk about anything like specific. Well, we didn't talk about anything like, uh, no, we, time, no, exactly. like, right, right, like sensitive. too timely or time sensitive. I, I mean, unless you want to drop that now. <laughs> um, no, I, I think the, the things we talked about were spot on. I think the, what's uh, your favorite product for spring? Um, little teaser. I mean, it's all, it's all, it's primarily things that we have not made, which is exciting for me because in the conversations that we've had with these new buyers, they're like, Oh, you're a golf brand. It's like, not really. Not what you think. Like the stuff is not going to be sold in any golf stores not going to be sold at any green grass accounts or country clubs right it will be sold at um boutiques yeah i mean i can say them now this is pretty uh, fantastic but like we um secured a, a buy from dover street market holy shit um bodega <laughs> hype beast we are waiting to hear back on a couple other ones that i will not jinx but um as a brand operating in this weird era of like democratized golf brands, which we were just talking about. Like I, I don't, I don't need anyone discovering Metalwood in a golf store. Right. That's not going to like move the needle for me. Right. It's emotionally, people. if anything else. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I, I hear you. Um, people discovering Metalwood in any of those aforementioned stores is exciting for me. Because it's new, it's fresh, it's... You're an apparel guy, though. Like, yeah, you're in the right places. But I'm also like, going for, like, shock value, 100%. right? 100%. Um, and so this feeling that I've had almost every time I go shopping for something for myself, which is at a Dover Street Market, yeah. on Essence, yeah. at Nepenthes, at any of those stores... I'm finding something that I really enjoy mm-hmm. and then having this afterthought was like, oh, I could also play golf in that. Yeah, totally. And I am really hoping that someone else gets that feeling Yeah. with or without Metalwood. I want someone to just, I want these people to stop buying golf clothes for the sole purpose of putting on as if that's the only place you can wear it. Right. Exactly. And I, I, I know, and I say this over and over again, I know that I'm not like reinventing the wheel by any means, but if it changed the way that you shopped and interpreted the way that brands market themselves to you, Mm -hmm. um, that's what stokes me out. Right. So again, I don't think that the, 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 the product that excites me for spring is stuff that we have not made yet. So I'm excited to see how people respond to it. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm excited to see how golfers respond to it and how that is different from people who don't play golf. Yeah. Um, interpret it and, and, and what they do with it. Yeah. You know, so Cole, this has been a blast for me. Yeah. Same dude. Thanks for having me. Great to see you. We're about to tee it up on South. Yeah. What are you going to shoot today? What tees are we playing? Good question. Who are we playing with? Uh, a buddy of mine and a guy I've never met. Okay. He hits the ball. I'd like to keep it in the 70s. Yeah. I'll cut this out. It's fine. No, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> thanks, dude. This yeah. This was awesome. Thanks for having Glad me. we made it happen. Absolutely. Finally. Yeah. Cool, man. Bye. This wraps up this episode of the Standard H Podcast. If you like what you heard, I'd love it if you'd share it with a friend or two. And if you have a moment, please rate and review the show as it helps others discover these episodes. It absolutely helps far more than you realize. Shout out to Jensen Reed and Super Beautiful for the theme track, as well as to Clear Audio for the noise-canceling headphones. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you in the next one. Take care.